Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So Jerry Hutch's trial, I think we haven't seen the evidence. We haven't heard the, the opening defense, but... It does sound like it's going to be some of those technical arguments are going to predominate. I mean, there will be witnesses, you know, you will hear of what happened on the day, but you're not going to have an eyewitness identifying Jerry Hutch. You're going to hear about some of the most notorious incidents in the history of Irish gangland, even in, in the history of the Irish state. I'm Nicola Tallent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Throughout his life, he was known as the greatest gangland player of all, a criminal who worked the system and appeared to win. But now, Jerry the Monk Hutch is behind bars and his latest bid to stop his trial for the murder of David Byrne at the Regency Hotel has failed. Like a chess player, he is now facing the greatest game of his life and one which will set out the course of his future like never before. So what will the monk do next? Today, I'm talking to Sunday World Deputy Editor Niall Donald about the looming murder trial that will centre on events at the Regency Hotel and about the state's case against a legendary criminal mastermind. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So it looks like um, Jerry Hutch's last gasp attempt to avoid a, a, a murder trial has failed this week. And come what may, he's going to stand trial for the murder of David Byrne. Yeah. I mean, he was basically challenging, it, it's slightly complex, but he was basically applying <clears throat> with this section, I think it's a 4E, that, uh, an application to basically challenge the fact that he was going to be tried in the Special Criminal Court, the constitutionality of it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, these things are by their nature are very technical, but I, I, it was basically um, an attempt to get it thrown out for insufficient evidence. evidence yeah. and. But, you know, there was another technical discussion then about because it's um, because he wasn't sent forward from the district court, which most people appear if they're charged with murder, you'll you'll first you'll hear them appearing in the district court mm-hmm. in front of a, a normal sort of judge. And 
it tends then to get to get sent forward for trial, you know, once there's a collection of evidence and a book of evidence. But in this case, Jerry Hutch, as you'll remember, he was flown in by plane from from Spain under high security. And in which is relatively rare, he was just brought brought straight into the yeah. special criminal court that day. Flown into Baldonnell and uh brought up with massive security. Of course, Jerry Hutch remains a man. There's no reason for us to suspect that anything has changed for him as regards the Kinahan organisation. But he remains a man with a one million euro bounty on his head. So any security, any time he's moved, brought to courts, there has to be enormous security around that. There's no way that the Gardaí or the government want anything to blow up again or want to be seen to put the you know civilians at 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 risk in any way, no, shape ab- or form as regards this gang war. No, absolutely. And uh, so I mean, <clears throat> what was traditionally what happened, even in, in cases that end up in the special criminal court, they might have a district court hearing, mm. and then it's a you know then the the judge makes a decision that this can't be tried in a normal court. There's risk of you know uh, jury tampering or whatever, whatever. The, the, it's not appropriate anyway. But in this case, Jerry Hutch was brought straight through, probably because of those security arrangements mm. that you're talking about. Um, and a murder case is never going to be heard in a district anyway. It'll go no. up one way or another to the central criminal courts. But basically, the latest, the appeal to get this thrown out failed because of that. They said it's, you know, that the the, the decision had been yeah. made to hear it in the special criminal court and it couldn't be thrown out at this stage. So they're going to, they seem that they have another, Hutch's legal team have another attempt to maybe get some of the evidence ultimately ruled out in, Removed, a, in yeah. a different form. So Justice Tara Burns told them that um, they couldn't even basically hear this application. Um, and Hutch's senior counsel, Brendan Grehan, said that was absurd. There was a bit of argy-bargy about that in the court. Nonetheless, the decision was final. He then said that they will be applying, they will be making an application. That's the next time we're going to see this case before the courts, when they make an application to remove that piece of evidence. And in particular, my understanding is they're going for the recordings that were made. Um, You know, there was a, a bug I believe, put in Jerry Hutch's car and he was recorded as he made his way from Dublin up to Newry into the north. And it was around the time that the weaponry used in the Regency Hotel where Gardy were moving in on that, they subsequently um, found those Kalashnikovs and a a man was before the courts um, and jailed in relation to it. But that evidence is being sort of disputed by Hutch's legal team. They're going to say, legally, you can't use it. It was illegally garnered or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if argy-bargy is what you, most people that would describe. That is a technical, the, the, is it the, legal term. The highbrow le- uh, legal uh, discussion. Some yeah. might consider it, but argy-bargy mm. will do for our yeah, purposes. So. Um, no, I'd see, I mean, obviously the core of the case, um, you know, everybody except Sherry Hutch is, you know, there, there's not going to be f- maybe the evidence of, you know, an eyewitness. We all know this. So a lot of the case, as far as we know at this point, and obviously it hasn't come to court, is going to rely on recordings. Mm. Um, And as far as we know, again, that these recordings were not, uh, they were made as part of a separate investigation, maybe. They were under correctly done, you know, warranted and all that, as as we believe. But it wasn't part of the actual murder Mm -hmm. case, um, at the time when they were made. So that's probably going to become the essence of of, of the Jerry Hutch's case, is that 
these shouldn't be allowed into into the court because of this reason. As we've seen with murder trials over the years that, you know, because murder is such a serious crime and that's recognised under law, that evidence can be admitted that maybe wouldn't be admitted in a a very lower offence because the state does judge it to be so serious. This is going to be a very complex case, I would imagine, when it gets to the special criminal court. There's going to be a big, you know, a big opening. You're going to hear about some of the most notorious incidents in the history of Irish gangland, even in in the history of the Irish state. And then I think you're going to get into this really heavy technical evidence Mm -hmm. about what's admissible, about mobile phones bouncing off mobile phone masks, as you've probably been through cases like that yourself. I have suffered that kind of evidence, but it's always worth it for the the real story that yeah. comes out and yeah. court is a theatre. Yeah. It's where, a, you know, where the the, what, the occurrences, the events of the Regency Hotel will come to life yeah. and that story will be told by the prosecution and fought by the defence. I suppose just when you were saying about murder, the stakes are so high here for Jerry Hutch and of course his legal team and Brendan Grehan is going to do everything in his power for him. That is Brendan Grehan's job to defend his client to the best of his ability and you know, it's interesting, they, they will always have a go, shall we say, yeah. just as Tony Hunt, who presides over a lot of these cases in the Special Criminal Court, made a complaint there in recent weeks about some of these applications that were being made to throw out CCTV um, and around human rights and all the rest of it. And he's getting a bit fed up of it. Yeah. And he sort of was very vocal about that. But I do recall during the murder trial of Fat Freddie Thompson, who was before the courts for the murder of David Dohey Douglas. And, um, you know, look, again, they're doing their job. Michael O'Higgins SC was defending um, Thompson at that stage. But I remember just being quite flabbergasted as he made an application to have all the CCTV thrown out because it breached Freddie Thompson's human rights that he shouldn't have been recorded driving around the town, circling his prey and that this was, this man was entitled to drive wherever he wanted without being recorded along the way. I mean, thousands of man hours had gone into literally trailing him as he as he circled Dublin City and w- when he eventually came back to the Dublin 8 area where, where that murder took place. Extraordinary evidence, but yeah. they So they all have a go and, you know, obviously this will be a bit more than having a go in the middle of a sure. trial. This is going to be very significant, this piece of evidence that they're, they're looking to have removed. Yeah, I mean, like, the, it's a, it's the old GDPR defence, you know what I mean? You, well, you love that GDPR. I, well, I like it for, for, for yeah. my complaints. Can I just point out that anybody who's operating, any service provider that is dealing with Niall, <laughs> get ready to get a phone call about his GDPR rights and all the rest of it. He's you, you read will, the whole thing. You will suffer. Yeah, he'd bore you to bloody death and you'd just... <laughs> bore you to submission. It's mm, been my main strategy. It works for him. So but, tell us about it. The but if I committed murder, it probably wouldn't work. Right. So, because... Okay. I mean, I think in, in, in we have heard these cases where, you know, it's it, like people have rights for privacy. Maybe if if you're being recorded on a CCTV camera in a shop, for example, mm. um, and if that was to be used in some other forum, if somebody was to, you know, put that up for no particular reason on, on, on Twitter or something, say, you would have a case from privacy. But it is different when there's a murder investigation yeah. going on, and those, you know, that that's that that evidence is is accepted, even if there is some sort of privacy argument. 
Um, <clears throat> now you're going to see something similar in the Grain Dwyer trial, where he's going to say this this mobile phone evidence, or, or sorry, if there's an appeal and it goes mm. ahead, where you know. But the the, the counter argument is going to be that you know this is a very very serious crime, yeah. and you know there there has to be a slight variation in in what's acceptable and what's admissible to court mm. when you're investigating something of that nature. So Jerry Hutch's trial, I think, will, as we say, we don't know. We haven't seen the the the, the evidence. We haven't heard the the opening defence. But it it does sound like it's going to be some of those technical yeah. arguments are going to predominate because there's not going to be. I mean, there will be witnesses. You know, you will hear mm-hmm. of what happened on the day, um, but whether you're here. Um, you're not going to hear, I think, you know, you're not going to have an eyewitness identifying Jerry Hutch, as far as we know. I yeah. think we'd all be surprised if that was the case. And of course, that last application was accompanied, Jerry Hutch was accompanied in that with Jonathan Dowd, all his co-accused. Um, the other three people that will be standing trial, and they'll all stand trial together, are Patrick Dowdall, 65 years of age, Jonathan Dowdall's father, Jason Bonney, a 51-year-old from Port Marnock, and a Paul Murphy, who's 60 from Swords, all Generation Hutch, really Generation Monk. Um, unusual to see people of that age before the courts involved with gangland murder. You'd more recently have seen people before the special of that sort of, you know, vintage involved in sort of IRA activity and etc. So, you know, everything about this trial is going to be pretty sensational, I think, and we will discuss how much of it we'll be able to cover on Crime World, but we will hope to maybe do a daily update when there's enough evidence of of interest to people. Um, Hutch himself looks like somebody from Castaway (laughs) now. The last time he appeared, he had the grey hair down to his mane. It's been described. He actually has an amazing head of hair, the man. Um, But he has the the mane of hair, grey hair, and he had a beard beard shaved off this time. And in court to witness this failed application was Sadie Byrne. Yes, I mean, uh, obviously Sadie Byrne would be the mother of of David Byrne, who was who was murdered in the Regency. She's also the mother of Liam Byrne, who would have, who remains one of the most uh, significant gangland criminals in the city. Um, is currently, um, has, has left Ireland at the moment, um, mm. He would have been a Liam Byrne and David Byrne would have been very close associates of Daniel Kinnahan. Um so Sadie Byrne um obviously is their mother. She has She's the mother in law as well of Thomas Bomber Cavanaugh, don't forget that. So she's sort of a, a matriarch figure of the Kinnahan's Irish and UK wing. A matriarch figure of that family. Um obviously she's been very vocal at times. Um she has said we're not a, a crime family, describing the Burns. Um, she led not a, a cartel. Not a cartel. They're a family, not a cartel, exactly. She um, said that after the collapse of the case against Patrick Hutch, Jerry Hutch's nephew, who was tried in relation to David Burns' murder and the, the case collapsed, of course. Yeah. Um, and she also staged a protest outside the doll with her, with her husband, uh, uh, James Jawsburn, who, who would have been a well-known uh, criminal in Dublin over a long period of time. So, um, you know, that shows you, the, I suppose, the, the, the tensions of the people mm. that are involved, um, the, 
the, the she's kid, entitled, of course, to appear in the court. One hundred percent. I mean, she's lost her son. It's mm. you know must be a you know something that nobody would ever recover from. Um, but it shows the tensions because you have the connections, obviously, on, on Jerry Hutch's side, and you have the other connections. And of course, these people, Jawsburn and the Hutches, would have you know grown up together within mm. within some circles. So they're all. They're all interconnected Yeah, they as all well. know one another. And then we have at the centre of it this moment, this Regency Hotel, which is where, you know, there was obviously tensions in the background for a significant period of time in the run-up to that, but there was this explosion. and Yeah, it's an inter... Like, it's an, it, these are people that, that would have been very, very close. I mean, uh, Gary Hutch, who, who was killed, obviously, in Spain, would have shared a, an apartment with Daniel Kinnan mm. and they would have... Daniel Kinnan would have described him as his best friend and, yeah. and, and that. So that, that you know, those sort of feuds, as you know yourself, where they're not, it's not just business, it is personal. Um, so, you know, it's a heightened tension situation and it remains so, even though the days of the inner city had to be policed within an inch of its life, mm. things have died down, but they don't go away. Mm. Is that a technical phrase? Which? Within an inch of its life. When, when you're describing <laughs> it as city centre location. I just had to get that little stab okay, it's back. Okay, there, right? It's okay, it's okay. Argy- let's not have an argy bargy over it. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is that a, a Y or an IE? I don't know. I don't, it's, it's, it's vernacular. We'll Google it. Yeah. Um, just getting back to Jerry Hutch and um, obviously after that incident in the Regency Hotel, his own brother, Eddie Hutch, was murdered. And the last time he was really seen in Ireland was at the funeral of um, Eddie Hutch, uh, which he attended with his friend Noel Duckegg Kerwin, who was later murdered himself in uh, the driveway of his home. Um, Now, Hutch was floating out there for a long time after the Regency as, you know, tensions grew here in Dublin and we've had you know, in total, I think there's 18 murders now connected with that feud in a very short space of time. But Hutch was uh, a free man, but a hunted man because he had this one million euro bounty on his head from the Kinahan organisation. Um, he was a free man up until around the summer of 2021 when the DPP ordered that charges be brought against him in relation to that Regency incident. So... Just let's remind ourselves what happened then. Well, I mean, Jerry Hutch left the country um, and he seems to have moved around, uh, spent some time in Central Europe, possibly in Eastern Europe, but ultimately he seems to have returned to, to Lanzarote, where he'd spent, I'd say, the majority of the last decade um, coming in and out of Dublin, but had had a home there, um, at least spent the majority of the, the the first half of the year there. Mm. Um, so once the heat seems to have died down, he seems to have certainly moved around uh, expecting to be mm. an immediate target. But like a lot of people, you know, he's, he returned to what he knew and landed in Lanzarote. Mm. Um, um, and I think at that point, uh, up to a certain point, would have believed that criminal the criminal justice system was not going to Pursue him. him, yeah. Not going to pursue him. Confident, I think, in the fact that his nephew's trial, the murder trial, in relation to the Regency, had yeah. collapsed. And also, yeah, exactly, and and that that certainly gave them the sense that there was, they might have known that there was further investigations going on, but you know, probably believed that there wasn't going to be enough evidence ever to, to 
for him to to see uh, the inside of a court in connection with this. Um, obviously, he continues to deny all uh, guilt in, in it. But I think we're going to see in in this case a sort of a, a, a you know, there's going to be a build up of 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 evidence where they're going to a joint design is mm. going to try and be presented. So Jerry Hutch was living in Lanzarote. Um, initially, you know. After after he initially left the country, you were hearing things about him being over in Turkey, mm. over in Eastern Europe. But as the years went on, then you started hearing, I know he's in that Irish bar in Lanzarote. Which remember we yeah. sent pictures. People sent pictures and you go, I, he couldn't really be just living, yeah. going to the same Irish bar every day for, for his lunch at the same time. I mean, it sounded unlikely. Mm. But that seems to be what happened. But you know, he always felt safe there in Lanzarote. Always. I mean... He was that long there and he, like anywhere really, if you're under threat and you're moved out of your local environment, you don't know what's coming at you. Hmm. Whereas if you stay within your own environment, you know exactly the noises, the sounds. I mean, even just from a kind of, you know, to, to bring that back into your own home, you know the noises and the sounds that should be there yeah. and those that shouldn't be there. So ultimately, human beings, I think, go back to what they know because they, they can feel yeah, a sense of safety and security. And nobody can stay on high alert for years and years no. on end. And you see, look, you said, but all these sorts of people who, who, yeah. who have gone on the run and, you know, amazingly sort of put themselves back in it, you know. Um, but it makes sense even if you think about that, going to your local pub, if, if you're a yeah. frequent visitor to your local pub, you know who should be there. Yeah. And, and, and you'll know the strange face and you'll know immediately that somebody's out of place. And he obviously had hundreds of connections in Lanzarote, mm. some of a criminal type, but some just of ordinary expats there who would have known him. And Jerry Hutch has always been, you know, quite a popular figure. Yeah. He's not, he's a personable guy by all accounts. Um, people didn't have a bad sense mm -hmm. of him, uh, I think, in Lanzarote, as far as we, we were hearing. So that's that's what happened there. Uh, you know, we were getting pictures. It was, you know, his hair was a bit different and all mm. that. And, you know, we weren't ever fully sure. But um, he returned to a relatively normal life. Mm. Um, so just going back to exactly what happened with Hutch, he was living there on Lanzarote. He obviously... There was a, 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 you know, everything was okay and he was a free man. And the next thing, this warrant was issued and there were some aspects of that, which no doubt we will come back to, etc. But certainly, weirdly, the uh, fact that there was a warrant issued appeared on a anonymous Twitter site. Yeah. So um, there was social media chatter. So, I mean, by the time it gets to social media, it's obviously the chatter. That is the last thing that anybody who has thing. an arrest warrant wants. But, but uh Nonetheless, Hutch was under surveillance by the Spanish. Uh, we understand he flew into Malaga Airport and there was certainly security footage of him, which was later released of him and his wife coming in to Spain. At some point during this time, this issue with the arrest warrant came up and he went missing. He was due to fly back and they were hopeful of catching him at the airport on his way back to Lanzarote, but he went missing. And the next we know of him in late September 2021, uh, we see this extraordinary footage of Jerry Hutch being arrested. Yeah, so I mean, he was due, obviously had a return flight and I think that there was a presumption that he'd be picked up at that point and he'd, fl he'd flown into Malaga on his own passport, if I remember correctly, um, uh, you know, using his name and booked a return flight. But then he went, He went as you said, he, he disappeared. He ended up in Fungarola yeah. in an apartment the Spanish police seem to have had information, intelligence, 
that he was there. They staked out that place for a good period of time. They weren't 100% sure. Um, you know, they were they were waiting on 24 hours a day, mm. keeping an eye on it. Um, he eventually uh, went to get something to eat in, in company by a woman and was picked up. Um, yeah. And at that point, he obviously, when they, they picked him up and searched the apartment, they found uh, uh, a passport, you know, a, a falsified, what they believe is yeah. a falsified passport. So they're obviously... They believed at that point there was a, a, you know, he was attempting to get out of Spain, to mm. using this passport to get out of Spain and get out of their reach. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a way, a guy as wily as the monk would almost know that in one way it's game up or over and in another way it's game on because he's somebody I, I do believe that would, would not think that you can run forever. And in a way, coming back here, facing these charges down was always going to happen at some point and he's going to fight them. And that that's the attitude he seemed to have taken. Now, he was put into custody in, in Spain. He did have a go at fighting the extradition, which didn't work for him, and was returned to Baldonnell Airport and brought to the, the Special Criminal Court. And, and he's been remained in custody here ever since. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll, you know, and it's, it's, you know, it's to be expected that they'll they'll try all these legal avenues to to yeah. to get this not to come to court. He's not going to go down without a fight not if he is going no. down. So they'll know. fight every step of the exactly. way, as is as is their right yeah. to to to, yeah, to, to pursue these things. Now, in the meantime, kind of in a more general sense, um, there has been a couple of interesting little stories relating to the wider Hutch organization and people involved in it. There was a joint policing raid or search of a house in Lanzarote which happened in the last couple of weeks which we know is not the house that the monk either owns or lives in out there. No, no, it's it's not the, the house where the, the monk had lived over a period of years. However, it is a very close associate of the monk was the target of the operation. Mm. Um, so it just shows you that the investigations are continuing on into yeah. the wider Hutch network. The focus of the investigation, uh, this particular raid, seems to be surrounding uh, false documentation, which has been, there's been a lot of uh, a kind of European-wide uh, focus on this, actually, from Europol, even mm. though they weren't involved in this direct one. So that that's, seems to be the... That was the focus of of that operation, and yeah. um, you see the the high level of interaction then between the Guardian and the Spanish police. Yeah, because um, we're going to say to you there, I think Europol are always involved somewhere. You know, they'll sit in the background a little bit, but when you see these joint policing operations, they are usually facilitated through Europol. There's been more and more of them. They must be worrying criminals. There's no doubt because they've for years enjoyed the fact that really the police forces of Europe weren't communicating properly. No. They were like a bad divorce or something. Uh, but now all of a sudden the parents have started talking again and uh, it's bad for the kids. But um, yeah, so that joint policing thing is operating with information intelligence from here and presumably from Spain too. Yeah, and you see those, the, the passports, um, you know, has been something that I think they didn't at some stage was they weren't really getting prosecuted for it actually. Mm, mm. Um, you know, they'd find a fake passport and you wouldn't really hear too much about it. But we see now over a period of time that people at and remember that the, the Hutches were ultimately part of the Kinahan cartel at one point. Mm -hmm. But we've had we've you know, obviously Christy Kinahan 
was found with a, a, a fake passport and was was prosecuted as such. I think Thomas Bomber Kavanagh was also uh, in Spain. Also, you're talking about Christie. Well, Christie was was that all that was left from the f- Operation yeah, Shovel? It was twenty ten. Uh, but they a are fake passport and somebody but, else with a fake registration on a car. And they do seem to be pursuing them. You know. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, no, it's better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, you know, when you think about Christy Kinahan Senior, the idea of a fake passport has been a problem. No, but too. it does. They are very important to be able to have them, obviously. Yeah, Do you know. Well, it's part of a takedown of any network that you'll go off at them with absolutely everything you have. And these sort of this sort of false documentation is is you know really very important to the operation. These organised crime networks. And, yeah. You know, <clears throat> it's probably a good sign that these things are being focused on mm. rather than waiting for somebody to be caught in the room with a big load of uh, cocaine, which is never going to happen to the people at the very pinnacle of these groups. Now, in January 2018, one of the many members of the wider Hutch family and organisation was shot dead outside Wheatfield Prison. Uh, Derek Coakley Hutch was, he had pulled up uh, in a car with two other people at a nearby halting site. Two others in the car exited it and another car pulled up and he was shot dead. He was, um, that investigation is ongoing. It is linked to the Kinahan Hutch feud. It is detailed as one of the murders, although it's slightly more complex than just simply Kinahan versus Hutch. But um, that's for another day. His inquest has heard uh, that there was 450 lines of inquiry pursued, but we're nowhere near charging anyone. Is that right? That's well. Uh, the inquest also heard that there was a file was sent on two individuals okay. in particular to the right. DPP, but but the the, the the directions came back that there was no, there wasn't sufficient evidence to charge anybody. Mm. Um, so it's, I mean, Derek Coakley Hutch um, is obviously um, a nephew of of Jerry Hutch, um, but you know he really was a soft target. I mm. mean, you know, although he had been appeared before the courts. You know, in in connection with with various crimes, really, the guy had suffered from drug addiction. You know, um, he was not a dangerous gangland criminal by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, people always say he was a harmless, yeah, nice character. You know, mm. used to see him regularly, actually. Uh, you know, outside the the building here, and mm. um, you know, he'd obviously battled with addiction and seemed to have come through a bit of that. So. Again, you see, um, that's not to say the guy never he had appeared f- for serious crimes and yeah. had been prosecuted, but they weren't. Um, you yeah. know, they were they were really at that sort of the, the feeding addiction types of crimes. Um, so he, you see, the the he does qualify as a soft target. Really. Yeah, yeah. Now there's a complicated as as we've spoken about before. What happened? Maybe to him, obviously nobody's been prosecuted, was that these sub-feuds started to emerge. Other conflicts, I suppose, some of them surrounding the um, Derek Butler DeVoy Mm. and and, and a conflict he had with with members of the Hutch, broader Hutch group. And what you see is that the uh, senior members of the the Kinnan cartel pulled a few strings mm. and facilitated um, this feud where they would supply weapons, mm. supply information, supply logistics and wouldn't actually be arranging for triggers to be pulled themselves, but they'd be facilitating other people to carry out murders like the one against Eric Coakley Hutch. I think what's clear about the Kinnan organisation is they'll take whatever they can when it comes to murder and they don't really, you know, 
they 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 just wanted to almost up their figures in some sort of a crass soccer match or something at that point. Yeah, just spread that 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 sense of Fear of, of and, terror that yeah. they can't be yeah. they can't be stood up against. Do you think I'd be insulting the listeners' intelligence to explain inquests? And why they'd be... No, I mean, I think it's... it's just sort of, you know, we, we, we're kind of used to talking about them. And anyway, an inquest is, happens, a coroner's court sits and investigates an unexplained death. Yes, yeah, so it could be so, a medical misadventure, any, any so number of things. A sudden death very, very often will be, you know, there will be a coroner's investigation and that's the coroner's court is an arm of the state that is there for that purpose. So when obviously a murder is an unexplained, unexpected death, so all murders will eventually, there will be an inquest into them and that's when people give evidence about surrounding what happens and the coroner ultimately will give a verdict for the reason for death. So in a lot of cases, when you see these inquests are, you know, adjourned, etc., it's because the coroner's court doesn't want to step on the toes of the other courts. So if there's a possibility that there is still a criminal investigation underway, that there may be charges brought against individuals for murder or whatever, be it conspiracy, whatever, the coroner's court will wait and sit back until all that is heard in the courts and then it will. So often years and years later, you'll see even 20 years after a murder is unsolved, the case continuously get called and adjourned with the coroners. So, I mean, I think for for families, um, you know, they, they, they want to get some answers and an inquest will hear some of the guard evidence that's been collected. Maybe not to do with, you know, in this case about who who's a suspect or anything like that. Mm. But they'll hear exactly what happened. What happened, yeah. A cause of death, mm. you know, a technical cause of death. Obviously, you know, you know maybe that, it, you know, that it was a result of firearms, but they'll give more technical medical evidence. You know, I suppose in, in many cases, inquests are designed, maybe not designed, but families maybe get a sense of closure yeah. out of it. Get, get a know, death certificate get for a Get a death start. certificate, get to hear you know, something of what went on because, yeah. you know, sometimes Gardy don't have that communication with, yeah. with, with family. Sometimes they do. And um, they also, the family may get get a chance to raise some of the questions they want answered yeah. as well. But I think, yeah, so you see in this case, because of the nature of the evidence given by Gardy, obviously murders just remain open in Ireland. Yeah. They don't get closed. Like in, I think in the States, they say that that case is closed or yeah. whatever. It, it doesn't work like that here. You know, if, if evidence came forward, you know, 20, 30 years in the future, the prosecution could go ahead. But I think, you know, when, when you have Gardy giving, you know, relatively detailed information, mm-hmm. you really, and and they're saying, you know, that, you know, you you, you know that this case is, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very unlikely yeah. to result in a prosecution yeah. at this point. Really hard to see beyond mm-hmm. somebody coming forward. Confessing. And finally, and we will come back obviously to Hutch over the next couple of weeks or months, whenever the next uh, application is made to the courts, we'll go down and have a look and see what they have to say about that. But um, just finally, Del Boy Hutch, the monk's nephew, released from prison after uh, serving a lengthy sentence uh, for manslaughter and for armed robbery, a very notorious criminal figure. And in May, he was uh, driving through Dublin on his motorbike and uh, there was a very unfortunate accident. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, Delboy Hutch would be, I suppose, one of the more notorious members of of, of the Hutch clan, you know. He would have been sort of um, the brother of, of Gary Hutch. Um, 
very feared criminal in 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 Dublin. Mm. Um, you know, and obviously he had that at, at a certain point he was, you know, had the backing of the the Kinnan cartel. Um, so he got out, and obviously he was on a motorbike. Um, from what we've been told, that um, he came across a guard at checkpoint. Uh, it seems that the guardie at that moment that he spotted them were had pulled over Mister Big, mm. one of the, you know, one of the major drug trafficking figures in 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 the city. Um, there's no sense of whether Del Boy was to mm. meet or not, or was a coincidence. You know, everybody's in roughly the same area, but he seems to have done a U-turn, uh, sped away to the inner city, and uh, ultimately was involved in a very uh, serious accident with a Ukrainian refugee, a woman. She's was suffered ex- catastrophic injuries, I suppose, in oh, the crash. Um, Del Boy Hutch obviously was injured, taken to hospital, but not seriously was able to to get up and leave in a in a day um so there there there's a very active Poor investigation and she's still in hospital and she's still in hospital as far as we, well you know a, serious yeah. really suffered very very serious injury so it's a very tragic hit by story a motorbike. i mean come on yeah I mean, crossing the, a road like crossing a road and uh, you know it's very some of very, our own people witnessed it some of our own people witnessed it as it's close to the office here um yeah. you know so really really serious yeah. um so the the guardy continue to investigate Del Boy in connection with it. You know, there's obviously um, they're saying for the moment, criminal charges may be brought against him in relation to the accident. But yeah, but I mean, it is a, again, it's a it's a tragic accident. Yeah. You know, yeah, it just uh, seems to be one thing after another. So I mean, Jerry Hutch will is expected to stand trial in October. Yeah, October third. Um, so that that, um, you know, and these things can always be delayed, as you know yourself, yeah. but. You know, it'll be, um, at that point, it'll be six years after the Regency, yeah. but not fully six years. Mm. So it will be a, a it will be a kind of a, a, a bookend to yeah. what has been a really, really uh, tumultuous six years, but um, in, in Irish gangland. Yeah. And when Jerry Hutch comes before the court, you'll have seen a huge amount of people. I mean, I don't know the exact number. You're talking 70, 80 people in that time. Most of the major gangland figures in the in this country mm. uh, come before courts in connection with 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 the fallout of of everything that happened. However, three of them at least remain in Dubai. Yeah, and that exactly. and that is that the next step? I mean, yeah. that's really what what you know. There's the that's people. still the unknown. What's going to happen that's next? That's still the unknown. And, and I mean, obviously, the three I'm talking about is yeah. Christy Senior, Christy Junior, and Daniel. Yeah, wanted. Five million, yeah, on five each of their heads, yeah. And I'm still trying to Just trying to muscle in on that. Can't send Having them a, Can't send them a copy of the Cash of the Clowns to the <laughs> FBI and hope to set and follow by an invoice. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, get paid for it. Yeah. Um, right. Well, look, we'll we'll leave it at that, and um, we'll come back over the next few weeks to see what's happening next. Yes. Thank you, Niall Donald. Thanks, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.
Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.